Welcome to Two Pricks Talk 80s Flicks, the world's nerdiest and therefore best 80s film podcast. We take the Pepsi challenge to 80s filmmaking and sort out the bodacious from the bogus. I'm your professorial post, Mike, the Egon Spengler of the podcast world, joined as always by the film boss, film buff, the man with IMDb implanted in his brain, our very own Darren. Hello, how you doing? I'm very well, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah. I'm having a good day. Oh, well, we just got a, we just got bikes, so first time oh. I've been out on a cycle for a while. Oh, excellent, yeah. So I've been looking forward to doing Aliens. Uh, I guess it's the Bill Paxton connection. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, a good jump from, from Weird Science to this. So let's have a look at what was going on in the charts in good old 1986. I love this film. So it came out summer 86, uh, 29th of August in the UK, 18th of July in the US. Darren, what was going on in the charts at that time? Well, number one in the charts, if you want to talk music-wise, in the States at the time they had, God help them, holding back the years, Simply Red. Really? That was number one in the States? It was, apparently so. Billboard charts. I did not know that. I did not know Simply Red got a US number one. Ah, There you go. I have to confess, I quite like that song. It's the only one of theirs that I actually enjoy. But I'll be honest, it's the soundtrack to a particularly good scene in an episode of uh, Only Fools and Horses, so that... Yeah, no, oh, adds a little bit of potency. Okay. Which, wait, wait, no, it just gives it that. And uh, number one, by the time it reached this charts over here, so 29th of August 1986, I don't know this song at all, is uh, I Want to Wake Up With You by Boris Gardner. Oh, that's a new one on me as well. Yeah, yeah. It may be one of those familiar, but you didn't realise it. How about film charts? Well, film charts. 14th July 86, apparently, it was in the US. Um, number one at the box office when this came out was Karate Kid Part 2. Oh, right. An inferior sequel there. <laughs> yeah. Um, unsurprisingly, knocked off the top spot pretty damn sharpish by this. Yeah, and uh, by the time it came over in the UK, number one film on 29th August '86 was Ruthless People. Another one I've not heard of. I know the name. I, remember, I, thought I can picture the video cover, but I've never seen it, to be honest. So I couldn't tell you if it's any good. Anyone else in it that's familiar? Uh, I think Judge Reinhold's in it. Uh, Bette Midler. Um, nothing's ringing a bell, though. Well, I mean, the three of them, that's a fairly all-star mid-80s cast. Yeah, yeah, and Helen Slater, Supergirl herself. Helen Slater. So, yep. I, do, I do like Helen Slater, I've got to confess. I like Supergirl, I must admit. I think she's also pretty good in The Secret of My Success. God, yeah, now there's a film I haven't seen for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it a, uh, a couple of months ago, and I mean it's shite, but it's kind of entertaining shite. It's entertaining eighties shite, you know. It comes, it it comes in. It's ninety minutes long. It does what it does, and then it fucks off without taking up two and a half hours of your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't resent it like you do Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, I, yeah, that's that's a slog. I still remember going to see the second one of those films in the in the cinema, and thinking, "God, this is long." And then it gets to the end of the film, and it's a cliffhanger. So you realise, wait, there's another film still to come. This uh-huh. is bullshit. No, um, no, no. <laughs> uh, I saw one of them in the cinema as well, and I fell asleep. Ah, okay. I rarely fall asleep in the cinema. I must admit. I couldn't tell you which one it was, but so do you remember when you first saw it? Oh, I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got fond memories of this because, right, we're talking late 80s, early 90s. 
So it would have been first shown on ITV uh, as, a, as the big film premiere. Right, right. Uh, now, this was during a period where I would have been maybe, let me see, say if we call it around about 1990. I don't, know, I don't know exactly when it was first shown on TV, but say it was 1990. So I would have been about 10. Okay. Uh, 10 stroke 11 years old. So my brother would have been a couple of years younger. And this was during the period where my dad would tape, you know, films for us that we maybe shouldn't have been watching. Uh-huh, uh-huh. However, what he did was he would watch them as he was taping them. And uh-huh. if there was anything anything he thought was particularly scary or graphic or whatever, he would stop, rewind, and restart to <laughs> restart the tape. So, you know, once the worst had passed. But as a result, we watched Aliens, and there was barely an alien in it. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of the film made very little sense. Yeah, it was... It was it was all sort of tease and no payoff. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can imagine what it was like when he taped Robocop for us. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's, it's the story of uh, Ripley going to LV-426 and then coming back. I can remember very, very clearly the bit where they find the first colonist, you know, cocooned. Yeah. Opens her eyes and they like, ah, kill me. And then next thing it just cuts and everything's just happened you know the entire as if they thought there was chaos and confusion in that scene imagine watching it without that scene in it (laughs) oh my god so but i must admit i I have fond memories of those days it's quite it is quite fun (laughs) uh um personally i don't have a distinct memory of the first time i saw it it's always been there or thereabouts I do remember the film poster quite vividly, though. You know, it was the great poster with Ripley holding on to Newt. Yeah. With the big fucking... Was it the gun or the flamethrower? I think it's the the flamethrower, the tip of the gun just sort of there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it looks tremendous. This Uh, time it's war. And Yeah, I just... I really can't remember the first time because I must have seen it so many times. And somehow it's never, never peeled. Yeah, you know, I'm just thinking about it as well. I saw this before I saw Alien. Me too. It's a few years later before I saw Alien. However, yeah. that that sort of inquest scene in the film kind of sets it as a nice little recap in case you haven't seen the first film. It, it manages quite well. You know, yeah, just to... I think that's quite useful because it is seven years between the films, which is quite long for a sequel. You know, it gives you enough of a recap and then... If you haven't seen it, then as the film's going on, you're aware that she knows things that you don't know. So you're yeah. kind of you're sort of in a place that the Marines don't really know what's going to happen, but you yeah. know you could you know put yourself partly between the two. Yeah, but it stands it stands very well by itself. It really does. Yeah. When I saw Alien, um, quite a good while later, it's got such a different tone and feeling to Aliens. They are very different films. It's it's funny though that there are a surprising number of little beats that are shared between the two films that I didn't necessarily pick up on until I was watching it just the other night. Yeah, Mm-mm. you can that. point them out. <laughs> so Alien, uh, directed by Ridley Scott, got a great cast. You've got uh, obviously oh, Scott. You've got John Hurt, obviously. John Hurt's always got this got this sort of injured nobility to him. Oh, that's a good description, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think that's why he's so wonderful in 1984. Mm-hmm. It's not a great adaptation, but I think him in it is uh, wonderful. He's a great Winston Smith, yeah. You've got Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt, you've got Veronica Cartwright, mm-hmm. um, Yafit Koto. 
Harry Dean Stanton, and then of course Harry Dean Stanton, recent, yeah, Harry Dean Stanton, yeah, and of course uh, the much missed recently uh, Ian Holm as well. Ian as Holm, Ash. yeah, yeah, with yeah, that great I mean, shock reveal that he's actually an android. Oh, spoiler! Ah, well, come on, <laughs> yeah, that is a fucking outstanding cast, and of course, uh, was it Veronica Cartwright? Originally, yeah. it was going to be Ripley. I can't imagine that. Nope. I can't really picture that. I don't know if she qu- could quite pull that pull that off. Well, I mean, don't mistake her character for her. You know, uh, her character in the film is a woman who falls to bits. That doesn't mean that she necessarily would be. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's a sign of an actor. You know, indeed. Played the role. We're missing <laughs> somebody. Hang on. So we missing somebody. So we've got Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, Ian Holm, Yafet Koto. Was he the Bond villain? Yeah, he was Kananga in Live and Let Die. He was inflated to death. He's great as well. See, when he actually goes up against the alien, yeah, there's part of me that thinks he could take him. <laughs> He's got that great grin, doesn't he? Yeah. See that scene when they're down in the engine room and uh, you know it's all steamy and it's all you know everything's going Pete Tong. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and he's going well, Ripley. What about our bonus? <laughs> and then he turns the steam off when she leaves the room. <laughs> I know. It's so like something out of Red Dwarf, isn't it? Yeah, funny you should mention Red Dwarf. I was going to get a wee mention of that in shortly. but She just tells him, fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton, he keeps popping up in a lot of films. And you go, oh, right, oh, I didn't know he was in it. He turns up in so many films. He was the, he was that just that guy who was in that film. Fantastic character actor, supporting actor. Very few times I've seen him in anything that even approaching a, a lead. In fact, I think his very last film is the only time I've seen that properly. A film called Lucky, which is well worth checking out. All right, yeah. Um, yeah. I must have been about, I can't remember, it was just before he died. So he was, All right. was he in his late 80s, early 90s almost when he died? Really? That old? Yeah, very old. Yeah. Very, love that hangdog sort of yeah, thing. About. Absolutely. I mean, these are not beauties. These are regular working sort of uh, Joes. Yeah. In, in yeah. Alien, but which is tremendous, you know, and it's got that grimy, grubby, gritty feel to it. It's that lived in. It's it's, it's a working trawler or freighter. Sorry, it's it's that kind yeah. of. You totally buy that. This is not the shiny sci-fi futuristic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you compare uh, Tom Skerritt. You know, he's got that grubby sort of beard and uh, hairdo. Compare him to when he's Viper. In, uh, <laughs> Top, in Top Gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where he's a total dude. Yeah, he, funnily enough, turns up in Lucky as well, with Harry Dean Stanton. Does he? He's quite old as well now, but aren't they all? Yeah, Harry Dean Stanton pops up. He's the cop in Christine. Yes, he is. He's yes. uh, Molly yes. Ringwald's dad in uh, Pretty in Pink. So, well, Alien, the great thing that separates it from your run-of-the-mill sci-fi is conceptually, artistically, is so far ahead of other films. The design, the idea of the alien as being ingested and then growing within you, the facehugger idea with that sort of face rape idea, something growing within you, this literally an alien being growing within you that bursts from it inside <laughs> That is just, oh, yeah. conceptually, that is magnificent. And it's then, a uh, horrible, horrible concept. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, the acid for blood as well. Yeah, the, what's it? it's the perfect defence mechanism. You don't dare kill it. You've just reminded me. I mean, you'll, you'll have seen that best review ever of Alien from a, a guy's girlfriend who watched it. 
a movie where nobody listens to the smart woman and they all die except for the smart woman and her cat. (laughs) Do you remember the poem of Alien set to the tune of Eleanor Rigby? No, I've never heard that. Really? All right. Well, let me. <laughs> Since you had a poem for the meaning of life uh, podcast, <laughs> let me let me let me have one this turn. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, Eleanor Ripley picks up the gun from the floor where an alien's been hunting the queen. <laughs> wait by the airlock, wearing the mech suit she keeps in the cargo bay place. Nuke it from space. <laughs> Xenomorph frenzy. They're in the roof of a corridor. No one will leave. No one dares breathe. Look at the eggs hatch. Hugging the faces of all the marines that they don't kill. John Hurt feels ill. <laughs> Ellen Elrip play died in a sequel. And then, then she came back for some more. Leading to gore. Alien frenzy. Killing the humans. I bet there's an android there too. Working for who? <laughs> all the scary monsters. We don't know how to fight. All the scary monsters. They mostly come at night. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. <laughs> oh, I, love it. Love I it. thought that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that last line. John Hurt feels ill. <laughs> oh, it's, it's all it needs. Oh, can, can I just bring in here as well? John Hurt in Spaceballs. Oh, yeah. yeah. That wonderful <laughs> little scene at the end where he just... <laughs> oh, no. Not again. <laughs> What's the song? Is it? Hello, my Hello, baby. My baby. Hello. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. Yeah. Oh, there's a wee dance. I can't take that scene seriously now where it bursts out of him in Alien. Because all I'm waiting for is the little hat to go on. <laughs> <laughs> so there's quite a, like seven years between the two films, quite a while. So James Cameron had expressed an interest in doing it. So he had sold the Terminator script that he'd written for one dollar if he could direct it. And, mm-hmm. then, and then he wanted to do the Aliens film and he was told he could do it if uh, Terminator was successful. Yeah, so he was in that weird sort of position where he was writing, started writing the screenplay for Aliens, then stopped to make Terminator mm. and then came back to pick it up again. So apparently he you know, did, a, did a treatment or a storyline that Fox went, were really really keen on so they were particularly yeah. keen so they gave him you know we'll, we'll just wait until you finish making this film what uh-huh. really? okay uh yeah. let's not forget though he also uh co-wrote rambo 2 with stallone in between as well yes he did <laughs> but easy to, uh... easy to forget that yeah that he, he did that as well I, I tend to think of him mostly as a director so i mean i mean we, we could do a, cover a wee bit here about james cameron so uh, born 1954 and started as an art director under the legendary Roger Corman, a man who could make something out of n- literally nothing. Um, some of his films are absolute gems. Yeah. Um, some are absolute trash, admittedly. But Which well, ones are gems? I've always been a fan of the films, the, the Edgar Allan Poe adaptations he did with uh, uh, Vincent Price. All right, okay. So The Pit and the Pendulum and right, uh, right. Follow the House of Usher, things like that. Mm. Um and there are some schlocky ones that, you know, reusing footage for left, right and centre. There's a there's a guilty pleasure called Battle Beyond the Stars, which is a remake of The Magnificent Seven in space <laughs> with a spaceship that has tits. <laughs> it, not even, not is, even joking. Not even joking. It's just like a figurehead sort of thing, like in a, a 17th oh, like, century sailing boat. 
No, it's it, it's just, oh, it has, just a spaceship. It just with tits. clearly has giant tits and is flown by a woman who has gigantic tits. Okay, um, Sybil Danning. So yeah, I mean, as I said, you know, James Cameron uh, started off as an art director, which is a good call then, because he's got a hell of an eye and it's used to great mm. effect in this mm. film. He ended up as a director, kind of by fluke, while uh, fil- they were filming Piranha Two. Yes, uh, with Lance Henriksen in it, of course, um, in nineteen eighty two. I got the opportunity to step up. Yeah, not a classic. <laughs> have you seen it? I, I've, I have seen it. I can remember very little about it. <laughs> I mean, the original, the first film's fantastic. I love Piranha. It's a great really? little, little piece. Yeah, you're a but, braver man than I when it comes to <laughs> schlocky crap, Darren. I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I pay for this some something. <laughs> But it's interesting to watch the progression. So, I mean, first, direct, you know, first film he directed, Piranha 2, Lance right. Henriksen's in it. Yep. Second film he directs, The Terminator 1984, mm-hmm. with Lance Henriksen again, yep. and Michael Bean and Bill Paxton. All right. And then by the time you get to this, he's got a yeah. fairly solid cast to work with to begin with. Yeah, um, yeah. And then from there, the films just keep getting bigger and bigger in scale and budget. So you've got The Abyss in 1989, which I still uh, haven't seen. Yeah, I've seen it once. And again, I can yeah. remember very little about it. I think uh-huh. Michael Bean plays a bad guy in that, actually. All right. T2 in 1980, uh, 1991, which... Mm-hmm. Ah, that's another belt of that. I really love it. I hate it. Really? Okay, it's not that I hate it in the same way that I do Pirates of the Caribbean. It's just so Hollywood. It's so big. It's so expensive. <laughs> it's so completely opposite of what was great about the Terminator. But is it, would, would you want more of the same? Okay, no, I mean, we can, we can allow for progression, but this, I mean, is, not, this, is, not, this is not progress. This is regression. This is just money talking. And when you see that in a film, it's artistic death. Oh, I don't agree at all. Okay. I mean, I, th- I, th- I love the storyline in T2. I think it's a, it, it's a solid piece and it, you know, it it makes it for a time travel film. Which, to be honest, if you're trying to do a sequel to a film in which you've already changed the timelines, uh-huh. you're on pretty shaky ground. But I find it genuinely really entertaining. I find, you know, I, I'm totally by the the situations that the characters yeah. are in and the progression of uh, Sarah Connor. I find is quite fascinating. Okay, um, yeah. One of the things that really irritates me is the relationship between uh, Arnie and John Connor. Mm-hmm. It is such, here are dichotomies 101 and relationship building 101. Here's how we do it. That's how he would actually try and do that, being that he's a machine. This is, this is how he would develop them logically, and that's not how relationships are built. <sighs> well, we'll have to... Uh, Agree to disagree on that's that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so from there, yeah, you've got True Lies in 1994, which is a film I'm sure I must have seen, but I don't know if I've seen it all the way through. I've never seen it. No. Uh, and uh, then, of course, in 1997, Titanic, oh, which we have James Cameron to, to blame for that one. <laughs> Titanic is utter dreck. It's pish. Absolute it's... shite. Special effects are good. Give them that. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll give him that. It's got David Warner in it, and, you know, that's always a good sign, but... The characterisation is just awful. It's just such cliched crap. 
Hey, we're all diddly d Irish down under here. Come on, we'll have a, <laughs> we'll have, we'll have some of the crack down here. Yeah, yeah, and I'm rich and very snobby. Mm, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Or, or you get the the nice, the nice rich lady. Come with me, dear. You know who's that again? It's uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Kathy, Kathy Beats. Kathy Beats. So, yeah, he, he did Titanic, then he had a few nautical documentaries, uh, and then so far the last thing he's done was, again, Jesus, Avatar, which again I thought was crap, but that just, that, it did nothing for me. It looked nice, but there's mm. it, it, there's no substance there. Right, I haven't seen um, it either. Yeah, and God forbid there are two sequels currently in production. Really? Mm. Yeah, he's a famously... I wouldn't say a perfectionist. He's got a difficult reputation, James Cameron, by the sounds of it. Definitely a bit of an egomaniac. King of the world, all that. The more you read about the production of Aliens, and uh, yeah, that probably did him no favours. Yeah, from all accounts, it was a difficult production. They, they fired the... Cinematographer. Right, the, yeah. The majestically named Dick Bush. <laughs> uh, who decided to, just he was going to light the scenes how he wanted to see them, not how he was being told to light them. Yeah. Uh, so he ended up giving him the boot, and as a result, the crew downed tools and walked out. But in fairness, a lot of them were opposed to him in the first place because they saw him as he, this being a young nobody, uh, mm. and obviously producer Gail Ann Hurd, both being a woman and married to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of them had also worked with Ridley Scott and had a bit yeah. of uh, resentment on that side of things. So <laughs> apparently Cameron arranged a screening of The Terminator when it, before yeah. it actually came out to show them, look, I know what I'm doing. Uh, but hardly anybody showed up to watch it. So yeah, could, well, could really win. Well, that was the British worker in the 80s, though. Any any chance to down tools, they were, <laughs> they were off. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I mean, talking about this sort of uh, tearing his hair out because of the lazy and insolent crew and the working practices, the idea everything stops for a cup of tea uh-huh. and everything finishes for a pint at the end. You know, uh-huh. we're not going to work past a minute past this. Boom, yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think there's a great quote from Cameron saying that the only thing that kept him going was, and I quote, the certain knowledge that one day I would drive out of Pinewood and never come back and that you sorry bastards would still be here. <laughs> and in fairness to him, he has never been back to Pinewood, so... <laughs> God. But yeah, but he's never made as good a film again, so, you know, there's that. Well, I would I would think I'd have to choose between this and T2, which I thought was better, but I don't think we'll have that discussion. <laughs> get no, for me, it's very much between this and uh, uh, Aliens and Terminator. I'm not even, not even sure which, which film I'd come down on is the better. Terminator is a brilliant film. Yeah, it, it's it, very punky. It's yeah. weird. This feels like a a natural progression from Terminator. How so? I thought just the feel of it, the, the relentless mm. chasing of much of it's in the dark. You know, there's a lot of use of uh, computer screen imagery. You've uh, got one you've got big the, body that you're trying to kill. Yep. Uh, I suppose in that case, it's usually you've got one thing that is, you know, and it absolutely will never stop. Yeah. Whereas this, it just the, the numbers just keep coming, no matter how many you're going to kill. And even yeah. if you do kill them, you <laughs> might not want to because that's as yeah. big a... So, yeah, you're dealing with space and time as well. His uh, screenwriting stuff, certainly in the early days, is uh, spot on. There's so much going on in uh, Aliens, like thematically, symbolically as well, and that had been seen in Alien as well. That it's absolutely tremendous. It's just unfortunate that the later films just lose that altogether. 
You know, it's very much about the gung-ho army dickheads blasting it, expecting to blast in, blast out, and then they're in the territory of something uh, that puts them at a, a slight disadvantage. <laughs> Hudson, you might think that they're just animals, but <laughs> they've, they've got home advantage and they've got numbers and all your uh, tactical newts and <laughs> sharp sticks ain't going to do you much good. Uh, and of course, there's also the the feminist angle as well. He really does write great scripts with strong female characters. First Blood mm-hmm. aside, uh, yeah. for, sorry, First Blood Part Two, I should say aside. Terminator, I like that. You know how um, Sarah Connor starts as a fairly scared, and yeah. she's a very believable character yeah. by the end of the film. Wallop, yeah. and then yeah. by the time of T two, it's almost to ridiculous levels, but much more like Vasquez or somebody, actually, in T2. But in this film, yeah, I mean, this story is, you know, it's ultimately a a Mm mother-daughter relationship, isn't it? Yeah, and it's mother versus mother. Mother versus mother. Do you know what's weird? I was trying to work out how much time there is between the opening of the film and them arriving on LV-46. I'm not sure if it's quite said. I'm trying to work out where the alien queen came from. Is the alien queen the result of that face hugger we see on her dad? Because oh. I couldn't work out where she would have come from otherwise. I don't know. There must have been an alien queen previously who was laying the eggs that got John Hurt. But those la- those eggs had been there for God knows how long. Um, so that's the point. I suppose, yeah, there could be an alien queen somewhere. I just assumed that there'd always been a queen and the the colonists just hadn't discovered it yet, and they randomly just encounter a face hugger. Well, I think I'm sure there's a line in the in the first film where they talk about this having lain for hundreds of thousands of years, or even yeah, we'd have to do a bit of digging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So there's a lot uh, thematically, symbolically going on here. Really adds to the film. Straight on action films like Commando, like, don't really appeal to me. I want something that appeals to the mind as well. That's why I've always lauded Runaway Train to you, or even Rambo, like First Blood. I think First Blood is a tremendous film. Yeah, I haven't seen it for a long time. Yeah, it's another one that I need to revisit, I think. You know, your post-Vietnam uh, traumatised thing, the treatment of soldiers after Nam, accent a lot there. And, of course, you've got uh, Colonel Sam, you've got, uh, who's basically Uncle Sam, Colonel Sam Troutman, yeah? Troutman, yeah. In the book, kills Rambo. Ah, okay. Did you know that? I did not know that. Ah, yeah, yeah. Would have been like uh, of mice and men, yeah. yeah. He's sent in and then he kills him at the end. But uh, Stallone, by this time, was uh, gunning for sequels. And then some. Right, so let's uh, take it from the top of the film then. Okay, now, can I just double-check here? So, we, did we both watch the special edition, did we? Yes, indeed. Okay, so this is the, this is the longer... 17-minute longer version. Two hours, 34 or so. That's about right, yep. bit more exposition, a couple more action-y scenes, which were originally removed because they were supposedly superfluous, did nothing but build suspense. Now, Mm. is building suspense a bad thing? No, but, you know, you have to cut somewhere. You do, you do. I think if if I was going to pick a preferred version, it would be this, but there's a couple of elements I would probably say would be better left out because they add to the mystery or so yeah we we first encounter ripley floating through space with her long hair you know the the derelict uh, hunters uh, come in find her yeah the salvage guys and the first the first voice you hear is actually james cameron in that it is yeah yeah, yeah. doing a hitchcock doing a hitchcock yep yeah 
And you might notice that the gun is wedged up in the door uh, as it was left at the end of Alien. I didn't notice that. I did notice the helmet sitting there where uh, uh, she'd left it, but yeah. So they find her, then she's brought back to uh, what, what's shown to be a hospital floating outside, floating in space. I think the, like, the space representation there is pretty good. Yeah, it's something that carries over from Alien, actually, just that sense of space mm, being yeah. vast, you know, that... Yeah, no, they do the, the planet and the space uh, things pretty well, I think. No doubt learn from uh, George Lucas. Oh, yeah. It's always, it's always something about Lucas, isn't it? <laughs> Try doing uh, a sci-fi film that doesn't get a nod in there somewhere. Ah, uh, yeah, so she's waking up. Still pretty groggy. Wouldn't you be after that long? I noticed that she still somehow managed to put on lipstick, though. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Did you notice that? She's wearing bloody no. lipstick. Yeah. Do you know something, though, that I quite like about this? Is that we don't see the scenes where... She's she's told you know. Oh, by the way, it's fifty-seven years. Yeah, you know we, that's all happened, and we're dropped in a bit later. That's something mm. quite refreshing that you just pick it up along the uh, along the line there. And also, how smart it is in terms of narrative, like to to make Burke coming in and telling her uh, and meeting her and telling her about the fifty-seven years a dream. So then you've got that uh, that early uh, jump shock scene. Do you think she's been dreaming that sort of thing for the past 57 years? She looks pretty peaceful. That's almost like a Stephen King short story, that the idea that you, you cannot <laughs> yeah. wake up from this nightmare, which in a way she can't, let's be honest. Mm. You know? I guess uh, hypersleep might be uh, a more powerful, dreamless uh, state of sleeping. I would hope so. <laughs> can't imagine it was a particularly restful one if, if she went straight in after that. You, yeah. you do feel for Ripley. I mean, 57 <laughs> years, you Try to put yourself in her position. You know, everyone you know is gone. Everything, mm, yeah. all thanks to the alien and the company, who is the only thing that you are stuck with that you can. God, no wonder she's pissed off. So yeah, so you get the scene with Burke uh, coming in to tell her like, like about her daughter, and you know a really bad pixelated shot of of her daughter, of her of Sigourney Weaver's mother. <laughs> oh really? Oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Okay, it's the future, but the technology, you're thinking, mm. really? Okay. Mm. Then into the, the meeting with, uh, what's the company called? Wutan? Wayland, Wayland Utani. Yeah, because by this time you would be having Japanese companies so, taking yeah. over. It's very corporate, but of course they're, they're all smoking. Yes. <laughs> Which now yes. seems quite odd. It's amazing how noticeable it is. It's just, whoa, Chris, yeah. smoking. It's like in uh, Alien. See when that first scene when they're sitting around like the, the mess table, yeah, eating and smoking at the same and time. Smoke. Like what the fuck? <laughs> How can you smoke and eat? Yeah. Well, to be fair, if you're if you're on a space freighter, you can hardly nip out for a smoke. <laughs> yeah, but you would expect someone to smoke first and then come come and eat and then maybe have a cigarette later. No, not true. both. At, not both at the same time. It was a different time, Mike. It was a different it time. It was, yeah. I like how, this is sexist of me, but like how ugly that, that uh, corporate woman is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she sort of does represent how unpleasant the company is. Uh, well, they all do, I think, don't they? Yeah, well, Van Leeuwen is very much a corporate boss, isn't he? He's got that CEO look to him. He does, yeah. The thing is, as well, let's let's not forget that. This is all the company's fault, everything that's happened to you. Everything they're mm. blaming for is 
it, the company gave the instruction to land there, mm. and right. they completely br- dodged that. Yeah, to bring back. Oh, that's interesting though, because oh no, she does she does know that because she checks mother in Alien. She did, yeah, yeah, yeah just before uh, Bilbo tries to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting how she doesn't bring that up. You think you would? It's an odd thing, yeah. It's like hello, you guys said we were expendable. Well, I suppose it's her word against theirs, isn't it? But surely there'd be some proof of that. Well, I don't know. I'm sure they would cover it. Yeah, well, they'd be the ones with the ability to find it, wouldn't they? True. But yeah, like as I was saying earlier, it gives a, this this scene as well, it works quite well in giving a little summary of, of the events of the first film, in case you yeah. missed it. So, uh-huh. um, yeah. as, it, as it's all scrolling away and the pictures on the, the screen mm-hmm. behind her yeah. of everyone. Yeah. Also here, Burke is uh, sympathetic and helpful. Oh, but you don't trust him, do you? Well, no, but it's just at the start that he is a helpful guy. Yeah. Later, yeah, yeah. So you know, we find out more later. But at the, at the start, he's set up as being he's for her. He's on her side. That's true. By the way, did you know? I'd missed this actually. Is it on the screens running behind her during the time where you know you see all the stuff flashing up? Mm-hmm. There's an explicit link. There's a mention of the Terrell Corporation. Oh, really? On one of those screens. So, and I know there's talk uh, in in the later films in the series. There's there's more of a sort of suggestion of this as well. But the idea that this and Blade Runner take place in the same universe is oh. not yeah. not unbelievable for me, uh-huh. given the, uh-huh. the idea of androids and replicants and offer right. colonies and mm. colonial marines. It's I can I can I can see it. Uh, interesting. I've never heard about that. Okay. Yeah. So they basically shit on her and say, you are unfit, it's your fault, fuck you. Yep. Yeah. Pay, us back, yeah. pay it back, ten out a week. <laughs> While you work in the cargo docks. Do you know something, though? It, I'm sure it, they only say it's $42 million that freighter was worth. Now, yeah. <laughs> for, a, for a ship, a spaceship that size, that sounds like a bargain. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe the yeah, maybe there was a different yeah, maybe the dollar skyrocketed at that. Yeah, well, they say unadjusted dollars. Yeah, unadjusted. Yeah, but fifty-seven years. So then we're out in uh, LV four two six. Hardly's hope. Yeah, we are. Uh, some fantastic miniature effects work. You see those opening mm-hmm. scenes of the uh, big chunky monster truck wheeled yes tractor things uh-huh. driving around. Uh-huh. All model work, absolutely beautiful. Uh, fuck yep. CGI, basically. I totally uh, just does not compare. This film was rightly nominated um, for and won, I think, a special effects Oscar. All right, beating Little Shop of Horrors, which I, <laughs> I that should have won it on any other year. That's just amazing to look at. But, uh, here we go. Yeah, well, well, just think how well they could have done if they had, if they'd worked through their tea breaks. <laughs> There's a story of somebody actually knocking a hole in the wall. During one scene, uh, but they were in the next, you know, in the next time stage, they were filming Little Shop of Horrors. But I'm not, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure I believe that. <laughs> so we're inside. It's all very industrial. It uh, is. It's, it feels lived in. It's it's follow. It's it's along the lines of that freighter thing, that feel from the first film. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I buy that this is a frontier outpost, basically. You know, it's got that yeah. wild west sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, grimy and, you know, it's a bit like, as it's, you were talking about earlier, about Red Dwarf. And then, of course, Captain Hollister from Red Dwarf appears. Indeed, yeah. And it's kind of hard to take him seriously. Yeah. You're kind of just waiting for him to start taking the piss out of uh, Lister. 
Yep. With respect, <laughs> sir, you've got your head stuck up your big fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was the right choice to to take away this uh, scenes. It does add a bit of a sense of what you know what is lost, what has been lost. But again, it's it, it removes the mystery of what exactly what what was there beforehand. Although there's an awful lot of kids going around and mm. putting two and two together, thinking things ain't going to end well for those kids. It's <laughs> quite gruesome. Yeah, but the set design. I mean, basically every computer game like Doom. Quake. I mean, they all basically come from this, don't they? I would, yeah, I suppose they do. Anything where you're going around, you know, on an abandoned base. Yeah. yeah, I suppose it does all feel. It's either that or Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah, but this is this has a lot more corridors. <laughs> ah, uh, yes. This is very corridory, uh, which is very much what the computer games are are designed as. So then, is it the? Oh yeah, they're out checking. They're out uh, checking the coordinates that the, yeah. the company have sent them, you know, don't ask. Uh, yeah. wonder, I wonder who could possibly have asked them to go and look at that. Mm. Well, it's like, right, okay, we'd better go and check something that, that we've been asked to. Uh, why would you take your children? <laughs> A mom and pop operation. Well, they've got no idea what they've been asked to investigate. True, but... Also, when I said, go and look at go and look at this, see if, you, if there's something there. It could be anything, you know. You're in some hostile planet. In the middle of fucking space. <laughs> but this is yeah. an abandoned planet, isn't it? In, in yeah. theory. You don't know what's there, exactly. So mm. could be bad. But this is why you have colonial marines. Yeah, but they're sent in after the case, aren't they? Ah, yeah, but I wonder if they're used to do a bit of sort of ethnic cleansing so that they, <laughs> they can then colonise planets. Which part of me that was thinking, it was like, what? Because those scenes, and I'm jumping ahead a wee bit here, but the scenes where they're, they're all, the marines are all sitting, eating the meal and chatting... And they're talking about previous ops, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, some yeah. of that Arcturian yeah, thing they're... or whatever. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah, so they've encountered actual aliens. There are aliens in this universe. This is this is not an unusual occurrence for them, you know, the bug no. hunt. Yeah, it's... they've been on bug hunts before. Yeah, yeah, so it's not like, and again, Red Dwarf, where space is all there, but there are no aliens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just gelfs, isn't it? Gelfs and uh, simulants, yeah. So anything that's you know genetically created by humans. Yeah. Hold yeah. on. What what are the Kinetawabi then? Uh, they're gelfs. Are they gelfs? Well, okay. yeah. Ogigon. Oh, <laughs> 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 I'm not going to marry someone who sounds like a footballer clearing his nose. <laughs> Apparently, you... sir, she's the looker. <laughs> Do you know who played her? Uh, Ainsley Harriet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit of this, yeah. So the anyway. dad, the dad's got the face hugger, and Newt does this great scream. Uh, she's got a weird mouth, though. See, her, her mouth looks so odd. It looks like it's like her mouth is about to overtake her head <laughs> and just expand as well. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, should we talk about Newt here at all, or will we wait? Well, um, let's wait. Let's okay. wait until we uh, really encounter her uh, as a character. Okay. So back to Ripley. And have you noticed that that uh, shot of her hand hanging down, holding a cigarette, which is burning, is a direct quote from Pink Floyd The Wall? Is it? Yes, indeed. At the very start, when Bob Geldof is like catatonic, 
Yeah, just okay. before in the flesh, you know, when they're all running into the the show. What yeah, well spotted. He is doing the fingers hanging, that the cigarette hanging down from his fingers, <laughs> and that that was put in there because uh, Sid Barrett was like catatonic when they were on tour in the states, and he was letting like cigarettes burn down, like he was holding them between his fingers, and he would let them burn down to his actual fingers. Oof, poor Sid. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a direct reference. So yeah. here it is again. I mean, both were filmed in Pinewood, weren't they? Pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, it's the uh, Ripley's quarters. Again, it's like Red Dwarf. She's living in a cupboard. <laughs> it is. The set design is basically taken from British Airways toilet and a jumbo jet <laughs> bathroom. Ah, OK. Well, yeah, I yeah. can believe that. Not a great prospect, is it? No, but I mean, it looks somehow looks modern and yet at the same time kind of grungy. So, yeah, Burke's there. You know, Ripley, we have to talk. Oh, well named, isn't he, Burke? <laughs> He's such a yuppie. <laughs> it's the suit, isn't it, with the updone collars? It's one of those, is it like a red straight tie sort of thing? It's, it couldn't be more 80s. Uh, yeah. It's just someone untrustworthy and unlikable about him from the off you know he's a total company man slimy reptile yeah. that and a constant kiddo yeah it yeah, makes you want you to not, smack him do you not think you're seeing that in retrospect though do you not think at the beginning he does start to seem at least quite quite believable I'm, yeah i'm probably i'm probably being a bit harsh yeah on that side of things i suppose it's not really until the scene with where she realizes that Bishop's an android that I think it probably starts to be hang on, what's this? What's the deal with this guy? Yeah. But even later on, there is a scene where Burke backs her over Gorman. Yeah. Yeah. So it's with last contact and she's going, No fucking way. <laughs> Throw me at the woos. You say crew expendable. Amazing she never brings that up. I know, it's odd. It really is odd. It's a Although, yeah. she, you know, they're talking about her report and... Her psychometric evaluation, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, up in the midnight streets are soaking with sweat. Yeah. Hope it's sweat, anyway. <laughs> and, of, and, of course, at this point, we meet Gorman. Mm. The Who's Arnold seen? Grimmer of the... Uh, <laughs> the Marine Corps. He seems just a straight-by-the-book sort of guy. You know? Well, at this point, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a bit green, shall we say. It's, yeah. it's learned it all from the books and the simulations. But yeah, but she's having nightmares. Then she makes the call to Burke, you know, and he promises to destroy, not to bring back. We're going there to kill it. But the cat's staying. <laughs> you little shithead, you're staying right here. Then there's that great shot of this spaceship. Oh, the Sulaco. Yeah, and this one is very pointy. Yes, somebody pointed out to me, this is basically, it looks like, it looks like a pulse rifle and they've added on lots of spiky, pointy bits. Mm, yeah. And I didn't realise as well, Sulaco is the name of a port city in the Joseph Conrad novel Nostromo. And this is, the, and this, of course, now we get into, we come, we, we see the Sulaco in space, we go on board in a, the Sulaco, and this is what I was talking about, it repeats a lot of the beats from Alien, because this kind of repeats the opening scene. It does, yeah. You know, yeah. the camera slowly panning through all the different mm. areas of the ship, yeah, completely yeah, deserted yeah. Uh-huh. and a lot of chains clanking and then finally it arrives on the hypersleep tubes and the system boots mm. up and yeah. we're introduced to the team yeah there's a quite a subtle difference though with Alien when they were all waking up it was as though 
wings from some sort of insect were rising. And here yeah. they're all here. It's all lined up like soldiers in formation. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that though, because they only had enough money for four tubes, <laughs> so they had to use mirrors. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know, would you? I mean, to look at the scene right now, you cannot tell it's mirrored. No, no, it's a great bit. Of trickery, isn't trick- it? A trickery, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So here we're meeting the Marines. Here we go. Yeah. Right. So. Right. So. What I wanted to say, first of all, was that this is a very interesting narrative point because we are introduced to 12 characters at the same time. Or it should be 12 characters. We know in retrospect that there are 12. And that's a very dangerous thing to do in terms of narrative, keeping the viewer aware of who everyone is and your interests. So there's a lot of nice little characterization touches that go on once they're up and about. Yeah. The other thing that I was going to harken back to was that this introducing a lot of characters at the same time is something that Tolkien does in Lord of the Rings after Frodo wakes up and they're in Rivendell so so they meet they meet Boromir, Gimli not Legolas, no no it's Legolas Legolas, yeah Yeah, they meet all them for the first time and and there's others as well so here yeah we're introduced to 12 uh, Marines so let's go through them Okay, let's let's do this then. So let's, let's see if we can do this, right? In terms <laughs> of how can we establish each one, right? So who who do you want to start with? Then will we start okay. with the seniority or what? Let's do it in terms of screen time from oh. the least to the most. Okay. okay. Number one, there's Crow, who is blonde, and you see them when they're piling into that uh, big uh, armored people carrier thingy. Yep. And number two, where's Bowski? who has dark hair, you see him in one scene in the canteen Uh after uh, Ripley uh, throws away Bishop's comrade. Yep. Uh, Of course, you hear his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But And and this is is another one of those, oh, God, I only realised it when I was watching the film. I didn't even register that he was... When when I remember watching this film growing up with my brother... Uh I could swear that when during the confusion and everything later on and someone shouting, where's Vasky, where's Vasky? I could have sworn they were shouting, where's Vasky? I thought they were oh, talking right. about Vasquez. I didn't even oh, realise right. there's a guy called Where's Vasky. <laughs> Number three. Dietrich, who's that medical woman. Uh, we see her just when they're getting up and she goes, I'm not going to pay enough to look at your ugly face, Drake. <laughs> and she talks to Newt. Yeah, that's the only sort of significant... Oh, and, and also uh, when they are when they get their asses kicked in the alien's nest, she goes, maybe they don't show up in infrared at all. Okay, yeah. And then she gets lifted. Okay, and uh, number four. Spunkmire. Spunkmire. The co-pilot. Anything so memorable about him apart from he, his unfortunate name? He talks to uh, Bishop when Bishop is analysing the facehugger. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, he goes, hey, Bishop, do you want anything? And yeah. Bishop uh, just looks at him with this very odd face, so you kind of think, ooh, is Bishop the baddie? <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a, wee, a wee nice bit of mis- misdirection and a bit of, oh, it's, hang on. Is this yeah. Statistic? I just remember giggling at his name. <laughs> Particularly since the, the last thing you see him with, he puts his hand in something really sticky as well, which is... <laughs> <laughs> Spunkmire. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Yes. Okay, so uh, number five? I would say would be Drake. Bit of a badass. 
Drake, your camera's malfunctioning. Don't. <laughs> it's weird because the setup seems to be the pairing of him and Vasquez. I mean, they, yeah. they've got they seem to have a thing going on. If, I don't know if she likes him, but he seems to like her anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just get the sense, oh, these two are these two are going to be a hell of a yeah. pairing during this film. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, oh, well, that's the thought of it anyway. Yeah. Well, if you build them up, then it means more when you chop them down. True, true, true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and yeah. at number six, I would say Pharaoh, the pilot. Pharaoh, cool, yes. With the cool mirror shades. Yeah, and I every time I see her now, I just think of Lady Gaga for some reason. <laughs> I just, yeah. you know, there's a look of her face that just, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's the one who's dismissive about uh, Ripley at the start. She goes, apparently, she saw an alien once. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Uh, number seven. We have Frost. Frost. I, who ironically is killed by fire. <laughs> so he's the one who's very dismissive about Gorman. Says he's got a corn cob up his ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so number eight. A pawn. A pawn. I love a pawn. You're very typical Sergeant major kind of dude. Yeah, he was a sergeant, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He, had he was experience. a proper... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Al Matthews, he he, like, I think he helped train the cast. He did, yeah. Pre-filming boot camp, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that the first shot when the the pods open is uh, him and he's got his cigar ready to go. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he's just got such great lines as well. You know? <laughs> Look at my, my eye. eye. <laughs> get over here! Get over here! Yeah. Uh, assholes and elbows. Assholes and elbows. Another glorious day in the corps. Every patriarchal <laughs> fortune. Every meal a banquet. Banquet. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about uh, you buy this as a, as a, as a sergeant, a bit, he's got an energy and a likability about him. You know he's going to be tough, yeah. but you know he's going to be fair, and you can see why he has the respect. You know, it's absolutely yeah. your impression of him sounds a bit like Moses Lab, though. <laughs> Slightly Jewish. But, I mean, the guy, you know, he, he did a lot of stuff. I mean, this guy, he was the fire chief in Superman 3. All right. Uh, you know, where there's the big chemical fire and he yeah, yeah, yeah. uses the lake. Um, when he flies down and everything's being redirected and he's like, oh, get this man a helmet. Oh, it's you. Oh, forget the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, it's pretty cool. Uh, I can't believe I hadn't noticed that before. And he was in Grange Hill. No way. <laughs> he was, yeah. I don't know how for how many you know how many episodes or anything, but he turned up as Benny Green's father in that. So right, oh yeah. god, I remember Benny Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah he would have been sort of early eighties, maybe. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and as if that wasn't enough, uh, Al Matthews also managed to score a hit in the UK charts. Really? <laughs> yeah, uh, number sixteen in nineteen seventy-five with a song called "Fool," which wow. I haven't heard, but fair play, the guy. Yeah, so I mean, he's got all that to his bow. And of course, as I said, he was an actual sergeant. Yeah. Uh, number nine. Vasquez. Number Vasquez. The foster mom from T2. Jeanette. Goldstein. Not Jeanette Winterton. Uh, that would be a very different film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 I was wondering if you would get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, well, have, you, you know. have you seen Orange is the Only Fruit? Uh, no, I haven't actually. That's Charlotte it's, Coleman, wasn't it? It, it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, Vasquez, yeah, Vasquez. Who, ha- who seems to have more testosterone than all the guys put together. 
Yeah. Also, um, she had to brown up to play her. Really? That's, that's fake tan. Ah, okay. Well, she sells it. She suits a bandana and short hair sort of look, you know. She's got such huge balls. <laughs> and the biggest cock... Uh, sorry, gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the size of the gun that she's carrying around. I sometimes wonder if that's a sort of metaphorical point, you know. Yeah, uh, I think it must be. This gun sitting on a steady cam rig. Ah, that'll be. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I love watching this as well? Is that the sense that there's absolutely no gender division between the male and the female marines. Uh-huh, you know, yeah. there's, there's just a sense that okay, at this point, everybody's equal. You know, because Ripley's only mocked for being a civilian. Mm. It's not her gender that's that's the issue here. It's the fact that she's not one of them. Yeah, totally, totally. It's yeah. fantastic. It's number ten. Gorman. Gorman. Gormless. Gormless Gorman. Yeah, I always think this guy, he's definitely one of the officer class. It's yeah. maybe a family thing. This is why I was talking about Rimmer earlier. There's a sense that he's <laughs> in there because he, he's supposed to be, not because he's actually any good at it. And he yeah. has no practical experience. That's it. Only a second drop. I'd, I'd love to know what, how in the name of hell he got this gig. How could he be a lieutenant? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. There's no rapport with any of them. There's no authority or respect. They clearly yeah. haven't worked with any of them in the in the yeah. past. Although there is that line from Vasquez later on, you know, it's like you always were an asshole. So maybe there's some history between them. I don't know. Or it's just what she's, you know, yeah. experience of him. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Gorman. Although, to be fair, he does redeem himself at the end. Right at the end, yeah. Right at the end. Well, his end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I love that he gets injured in action, but it's when something falls off and hits him on the head, not because he got attacked or anything. <laughs> yeah, it's like that guy. You know, like, oh, I got injured during the war. Yeah, how did that happen? Oh, well, the gun went off and I accidentally shot myself in the foot. But you know, <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so that was Gorman, number ten. Uh, number eleven, I would say, it would be Hudson. Hudson, everyone's favourite. Game over, man. Yeah. Over. He has the best narrative arc out of all the Marines. He does. Starts off as the most brash and the most gung-ho and falls apart. Oh, he's, well, he's got the best lines as well, of course. He's, he's got the best dialogue. Hey, Vesquez, <laughs> have you been mistaken for a man? No, no. have you? <laughs> Game over, man. Oh, oh yeah. What do we use? Yeah. Harsh language? <laughs> That's Frost, isn't it? Oh, sorry, that is Frost. Damn. Yeah, yeah. yeah cut that bit out. No, he goes, uh, yeah, but it's a dry heat. <laughs> Which I find, I find inexplicably funny. It's a great one, yeah. I'd say, get over here. She uh, probably said illegal alien and signed up. It's a bit of racism there, like. Mm, yeah, well. But no, he is. He's, he's got the, he kind of lightens it. You know, the comic relief yeah. element of Hudson. Um he, he is, yeah, yeah. He is a bit of a schnarf figure. He is a bit, yeah. <laughs> but I know I agree with you about his art. That I, I like the fact that he he goes from this so cocksure, mm. and then he's presented with a situation that he simply has never encountered before, and realizes yeah. he doesn't know how to deal with this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Loses it, and then gets it back just at the end. Well, yeah, does it completely, and yeah. doesn't yeah. Really get it back. It just as he goes. Yeah. Yeah, he's oh, you want some too? Ah! He's completely lost his cool. I mean, he's he is killing lots of aliens, but at the same time, he lacks the composure of Ripley or a real leader. Yeah, 
which uh, I think leads us on to number 12. Hicks. Hicks. Who comes across as a sort of very natural but very reluctant sort of leader. Mm. Is it Corporal Hicks, isn't it? Corporal. Cool under fire, got a lot of presence, seems very trustworthy. Yeah, yeah so, I, I, I like Hicks a lot. Yeah, soft-spoken, intelligent, observant. When uh, Ripley's giving her talk, he's the only one that actually listens to her. Well, he mm-hmm. asks her, what exactly are we dealing with here? Yeah. Yeah, it's bloody it's great, yeah. And, and yeah. of course, this is Michael Bean in this, who joined a you know, late member of the cast after yeah. James Remar was uh, fired. Mm. I cannot imagine James Remar playing this role. Michael Bean is so great in this, isn't he? He's, he is really good in this. This and Terminator, I think he's actually quite an underrated actor, even though I haven't seen him in a huge... Yeah, I know. I was, I was looking him up, uh, looking up his filmography and thinking, mm-hmm. why the fuck's this guy not been in a bunch of better films after this? He's absolutely great in both of them. Maybe uh, uh, too self-effacing. Possibly. Yeah. But yeah, so there we go. That's that's our that's our team. Aye. Squad. So uh but yeah, I mean let's be honest, there's at least three of them that barely register. Yeah. Um, uh, it's hard it's hard to remember who's who, let alone put faces to names or anything. To be fair though, it is handy when you've got the the names on the on the screens. Well that would be fine if you could actually put faces to names. And <laughs> think, I don't know who who the hell's their spouse. Aye. Okay, so when they're waking up, there are some very nice characterization points here. So, right, immediately, a has got a cigar, right? <laughs> yeah. Immediately. And then Drake's going, Hicks, man, you look just like I feel. This <laughs> <laughs> is a great line as well. So then Hudson's coming up, there's the banter between him and a about his slippers. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a nice bit. Oh, yeah. would you, sir? Talking yeah. back like yeah. that. Vasquez immediately in doing some uh, pull-ups. Oh, of course, yeah. We haven't really mentioned Bishop here. We don't really see him until later, do we? True, we don't see him until they're having their meal. So he's introduced by the knifey trick. Yes. Another great little bit of comic relief, I think. You think it's comic relief? Oh, watching Hudson's face, yeah. Ah, well, that is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but it's a, a nice way of putting across that as soon as you see that little dribble... Oh shit! And there's something odd about him, isn't it? Just this—he's a little off. Exactly. I quite like that. Yeah. But there's yeah. something, you know, you can understand Ripley's reaction. And as I was saying, that first sense that Burke is maybe not on the side of the angels when that thing, when the way he talks about, um, oh, the uh, malfunctioned or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a few deaths, a few deaths, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, the, and the whole thing about, oh yeah, they were a little twitchy, blah blah. blah. Could never happen. Mm. Yeah. And then it's the uh, Asimov's first law bit about um, cannot allow harm or you. allow to be harmed. Yeah, Ripley's got that very much the post-traumatic stress disorder sort of response. Oh hell yeah! Get yeah. the fuck out of my face! <laughs> no, yep. no, no, they can blame her. Imagine <laughs> not at all. A magazine shoved down your esophagus. Fuck oh me. god! Another rapey sort of metaphor. Throat oh, rapey it. metaphor as well. Oh yeah. Jesus! Yeah, horrible. But there's, there's a sense as well that got me wondering about it. So in the 57 years since the last film, um, presumably there's been some sort of rights for synthetics thing, or, yeah. you know, because they talk about, oh, I prefer the term artificial person. Is that oh, okay? Yeah. Artificial person lib. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, if we're talking about the same universe as Blade Runner, then... So then Ripley's giving her talk. Nobody believes her. Lasky is acting all cocky. I just need to know one thing. Where yeah. they are. <laughs> then I love it how 
Ripley gets right over her face and goes, I hope you're right. Really? Yeah. And then uh, and Gorman trying to lead, trying yeah. to be a hard ass. Not Get really Hicks and Hudson off. mixed up. Yeah. Ripley with the loader. Ah, Ripley with the loader, of course. Uh, nice bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. It's Pretty not... good effect, that as well. Oh, they are, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, see, when she straps herself in, it totally reminds me of like them making a tongue out of a shed sequences in <laughs> the 18th. <laughs> <laughs> Soldering bits together. <laughs> All the nice clicking and putting bits together. And and then the arms. <laughs> yep. And off she goes. And yeah. then, you know, and she's already sort of sort of earned her Just, sleep, gained some yeah. respect from Aon and Hicks. Absolutely, yeah. She's not content just to sit around. No, she wants to get involved. Good on her. They're checking their guns. Oh, it's pure gun weaponry porn here, isn't it? It is, yeah. They've got all all the stances. I mean, it does look pretty cool. I I love those pulse rifles, especially the sound they make. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed as well, in space no one can hear you scream, but they can certainly hear your dropship plummet. (laughs) (laughs) Am I right in thinking that Cameron designed the... Dropship design based around some sort of yeah. nav helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll also notice about the Marines that they have uh, messages written on their breastplates and stuff. Oh, yeah. And they've got all their, their lockers with their posters and everything. It's really quite personalised. Some yeah, you know, nice, nice touches. It's great as well, just how, I mean, it looks futuristic still. You know, it's got that sort of blue lighting to it. The, yeah, the blue lighting's really. It gives everything a lovely sheen. A, a slightly alien industrial look. Yeah, well, it's got that cold, not but not quite as sterile as just... So, yeah, the dropship. So they're plummeting down. Hudson's giving his big spiel. Oh, about the guns, yeah. <laughs> he does that laugh, that, you know, just like shit, you know. The <laughs> oh, you know, I was going to mention this. I had this weird thing when I was... Because we'd done weird science before this. Somewhere down the line, by the end of the film, I convinced myself that Chet is an ancestor of Hudson, somewhere down the line. Yeah. <laughs> I could see that. You know, they keep with the military thing, the, uh, and I'm, I'm sticking with that. I like that idea. Absolutely. And they're both assholes, but in yeah. different ways, you know. But obviously he doesn't have his brother to pick on here and aliens. Yeah, yeah not in this one. Hicks falls asleep. Asleep. <laughs> Which, which is what you would do. Yeah, he's just done it so many times, isn't he? Unlike Gorman. Also, as a soldier, you don't know when you're going to get to sleep again. Ah, yeah. So, you sleep whenever you can. Oh, Pharaoh's mirror shades look great. <laughs> and it's only in this scene when they find out Gorman has only done two drops. It kind of tells you everything you need to know about this guy, though, doesn't it? Yeah, interesting that it's Ripley that uh, worms it out from him, though. Yeah. Although he volunteers the simulated bit. Could have just left it. Should have. So when they land... This would technically be when the first time we would have seen LV forty six in the film. I think it, I think that would have been better. Yeah, I think it works better because it looks just oh, it looks great. It looks so bleak. Kind of reminds me of being on an oil rig, to be honest. Oh, really? Because it's basically exactly the same. An oil rig is a big factory in the middle of a very hostile environment. <laughs> yeah, true. basically what it was with some yeah. accommodation decks as well. Can you imagine what it's like being on there in like a four state gale? It's, uh, fucking, it's fucking scary. I'd rather not imagine that. Well, I mean, I was on a, a semi-submersible and I couldn't tell you how far above the calm sea the floor of the semi-sub was supposed to be, but when it was 
when there was a big gale, like the the waves were coming up up to the the floor. <laughs> went, Fucking hell! That's something else. I was scared. I'm bad. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah. Jeez, if, if I hadn't been so brave, I would have been crying. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had to get back out there and paint it. Yeah. Yeah. And drop. Hope you didn't drop your brush. <laughs> Aye, anyway, so yeah. yeah, very industrial, very bleak, very grim, you know, howling, shitty weather. Oh, terrible weather. It's just not Mallorca, is it? No. <laughs> More like Iceland or somewhere. But, you know, but the atmospheric uh, conversion stuff's going on, so that at least they can breathe. Yeah, when you see them, like they jump out the, the, the people car air and then they're making their way into the, the building. Is it the ad- admin block? Yeah. Occasionally, this is where I lose my suspension of disbelief. Sometimes, this bit here, when they're outside, it just looks like a bunch of actors running around a soundstage. When they're inside, even the, like the bits that are supposed to be in space, I think, still look quite realistic. But it's worse later on, uh, which we'll point out. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, so they go in. Go in, have a wander about. Yeah. There's everybody... Yeah. sign of small arms fire, etc, etc. There's the fake first call with the hamsters. Oh, yeah. And then it happens again. So Hudson's got the motion tracker. I love that motion tracker. <laughs> I love how its sound is very tension rising. <laughs> just, the, the, it's got a fantastic sound, that sort of... Dum, yeah. Dum, that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know Quite, how that... Yeah, what that made... Very high to, high pitched as well. You know, goes right through you. Yeah, it does. And, and it's a great from, bit of suspense building. Just It is. It's fantastic. And the lighting as well. The lighting mm-hmm. is fantastic because, again, it just looks, looks really industrial. Mm-hmm. That's and, what I said uh, before. Yeah, it's just that lived-in. Yeah. Actually, some of those tunnels remind me a bit of the cell block from Star Wars. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, yeah like yeah, triangular. Yeah. So. Hexagonal. Is it, it's sort of hexagonal. What am I talking about? Yeah. So, yeah, the motion tracker, and then, yeah, they discover Newt. Okay. Okay, do you want to talk about Carrie Hen as an actress? Uh, would it be charitable to say she's not really a natural actor? Well, I mean, let's just look at it on a performance basis. Okay, uh, she's got quite an odd sort of delivery sometimes, quite stilted wooden, mostly. Um, <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm not surprised she never acted again. <laughs> I think that was partly choice. Possibly. I'm, I'm just puzzled as to what made her the right choice for this role. But Apparently it was that children who had acted before would look at you to see if they'd done the line well uh, and, look, and look for approval and look for a smile or right. they would smile at the end. Yeah, she didn't do that. Okay. There's a couple of times where she... She slips out of her American slips, accent. But I think she was American. Yeah, but living in England. Ah, uh, that would explain it, yeah. Mostly. But as a, just as a appearance, that raggedy child look in in that bunker sort of uh, room that she's got for herself, yeah. I think that I think that looks great. Oh, yeah. I mean, it certainly looks like it's, it might smell a bit duff, but... Uh, <laughs> I was wondering, where does she take a shit? <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere she likes. <laughs> Has she got a box there that she keeps for it? Or is there a bit at the back? Yeah. I t- she probably does it outside. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to stop doing that. Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I do quite like the relationship between her and Ripley, though. The, the way it kind of, the harshness and that she has initially. In fact, that they both have initially. You know, as soon as yeah. she turns up, Ripley does soften. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The shields gradually come down, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... You, substitute daughter thing. Yeah, you've got that initial scene where Dietrich mm-hmm. examines her and she's saying borderline malnutrition, and then Gorman's, like, trying to badger her, going, Think, Rebecca! <laughs> you... D- yeah, and then uh, Ripley's like, "Here's some hot chocolate." Oop! Have to clean your face now. Uh oh, I made a I got a clean spot. I'm in trouble now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this is the thing as well. This is part of the thing about the special edition as well. I, I'm pretty sure the theatrical edition doesn't have the that um, Ripley as a mother. No, no, that's which like that. is a fairly significant plot point, really. It's much more just implied here that there's a mother-daughter relationship. It's kind of made explicit. Yeah, and then, then there's almost a, a family unit thing or sense of it by the end of it, you know, the yeah. Hicks. Ripley, Hicks, and yeah, yeah, the two who are, you know, the, the least hard-edged, I suppose, of them. Yeah, 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 and uh, Bishop as their servant. <laughs> Bishop as... <laughs> <laughs> the friendly family droid. So their relationship starts to build, we get to know each other a bit. Oh, yeah, you've got that interesting little scene where Bishop is examining the face hugger, and then Spunkmeyer comes in saying, Yo, Bishop, anything else you need? And Bishop just turns to look at him with his very expressionless face, but very wide-eyed. Yes. Yeah. And just, no. Because at this point as well, you know, we're thinking of the similar scene in Alien, where Ash is, you know, conducting the autopsy on it, and, oh, you think, yeah. oh, it is a, bit, a good bit of misdirection that this is uh-huh, yeah. going to happen again. So then, find where the nest is, mm-hmm. and God Almighty, just looking at the oh the, the thermal baby, imaging, thing. yeah the thermal imaging. Like, can you not see that there's fucking millions of aliens there? It's like a goddamn town meeting. But that's the colonists, isn't it? Oh, you think there's still people fact, alive there? Did they not mention that they all have oh, trackers the... implanted in them, and that's what they're, Aye, they're picking right, up? Right, right. So it's so it's right. identifying the signals, right? Right. And, of course, these are all the ones who are still alive mm-hmm. at the moment. Well, yeah, I guess they don't know. Uh, so they head in, and so they're making their way into this alien-y sort of structure. Oh, it's, it's that, tremendous. But it's, it's that kind gradual of gradual like, change. But it's like going into the belly of the beast. Well, it's, it's, it's I don't know about the belly, um, <laughs> judging by the, the shape of those tunnels. Yeah. <laughs> Given H.R. Giger's... Predilections. Uh, yeah. Predilections, yep. yep. <laughs> but yeah, the, the then the building tension of uh-huh. oh, as they move in. Yeah. And then lets up the ante even more by just pointing out, oh, by the way, you can't actually use weapons in there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because at no point does Gorman explain why. Not to them, no. If he just like, mentioned the fact that, you know, it's full of, you know, extremely flammable and explosive stuff. Mm, yeah, to yeah. the grunts. Yeah, it's bad but, leadership is what it is. It is, but you know, you can see from the the complete lack of respect they have for him that they they still have their their weaponry there. You know, I like to keep yeah. this for close encounters. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Vasquez and Drake uh, hooklers back in immediately pull out additional. But what yeah, are we supposed you, to use harsh language? As you say, the the tension on this just builds up, and it's all the steam and the it's dripping, it's mm. sticky and horrible, and oh, it's tremendous. Oh, and it's dark, and actors' faces are semi-illuminated. 
Yeah. But this is the thing. It's dark. It's, the, you know, the sense of dread that's in there and the sense as well of this location so that when everything inevitably goes to hell, it's total confusion. Yeah. It's, it's just all over the place. It is. As, yeah. as it would be, you know, and it's and it doesn't take long. <laughs> no. You know, no. just as soon as as soon as you see that first body stuck up there in the in the <sighs> and you and you see it all in Ripley's face because she knows yeah. exactly what's about to happen. She's reliving yeah. that here now. Yeah. And oh, then great, isn't it? Out he comes. And torched. Oof. So yeah, there's you see the cocoon woman and you know, it's the big please kill me, chestbuster. And then, boom, out he comes. Yeah. Just as just, just as we remember. Oh, what I also love about this scene as well is is all the really bad uh, filming from each uh, Marine's uh, cameras. Oh, you know, the quality is shite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but it's, it's great. It makes it so atmospheric. Well, it adds to that sense of confusion, though, doesn't it? Just, yeah, it does. Because you just can't work out. What, it's always black and white. It's grainy. It's dark. Uh-huh. And again, a trick that's been used in many, many films and computer games uh, since then. Yeah, you know, the look on Gorman's face, just the panic as he's kind of one, yeah. one screen to the other and the cameras start going off. Yeah, yeah the cold sweat. Yeah. See, when you see a pony's face and he's trying definitely to hear what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And it's just panic and confusion and, oh, it's tremendous. And once he's gone, then, oh, everything falls to bits. I'm sort of confused, though. Why is it once a person is killed, or not even killed, uh, gets taken by an alien... Why do their cameras immediately switch off? Uh, presumably their helmets come off. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point though. Maybe. Yes. But yeah, it's total confusion when it all when it all happens. Yeah. I mean, when Dietrich gets lifted and accidentally kills Frost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh-huh. then it's Crow, isn't it, who's the next to go? Crow's the one who gets a bit too near the ammo bag, and then it's Verzbowski who I think just vanishes. You just hear a hex shouting, and there's this sense of well, adds to the confusion as well. Do we? What do we think happens to Apone and and uh, Dietrich? Uh, they must get uh, cocooned. Yeah, because the so they're get, not dead. They get lifted. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, there's that great bit as well when uh, Hudson's right up in Hicks' camera going, "So I'm just dead. Let's get the fuck out of here." <laughs> yeah, and that's it. That's where he just loses it, isn't it? But just the sense that's four, four gone straight away. Is it even yeah. 10 seconds? 10, 15 yeah. seconds, they're all gone? Yeah, or oh, the aliens just coming out of the walls is just amazing. Yeah, coming out of the goddamn walls! Yeah. Get the fuck out of here! Just off, you hear gunshot and pulse rifles are going. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, oh, it's great. And and as well, it's uh, almost exactly halfway through the film. It's, you know, that perfectly timed peak. That's very true, yeah. And and they still keep the aliens largely unseen. Yeah. You know, yeah. More, more than actually remembered in this. Um, yeah. It's yeah. A, it's a few, although it gives you a few juicy shots, you know, of, yeah. of aliens, particularly when uh, Drake cops it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Ripley takes charge. Uh, yeah, and this is the interesting bit here that Bart supports her and says, you had your chance, Gorman. I'm puzzled, because he doesn't seem too scared. And yet he's... Yeah, he's yeah. he's more vulnerable than any of them. He doesn't he's, even have any military training or experience yeah. of these things. I, he's, yeah. he's a bureaucrat. He's a bureaucrat. Yeah, you're right. Should he not be quivering? Yeah, I should. would be. I, I would be. Oh, I'd, <laughs> I'd be a jelly on the floor. <laughs> Jesus. Superman Ripley says, Newt, go, go up to the top. Now! Can I do that as well, Ripley? 
<laughs> I just want to hide up the top. I'll, I'll go and make sure she's okay. <laughs> yeah. So slams in through the wall. <clears throat> and the Marines, great... we are leaving. And the music as well at this point, that proper military. Oh, and, this great scene, like when the last alien gets Drake. Oh, oh. this is the thing as well, because you're thinking Drake's not going to die. I know. No. The, the gun in the mouth. Oh. No, he's dead. No, he's not. Ah. Uh, yeah, Vasquez really wanted him to make it, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no doubt they've saved each other's asses a bunch of times. <laughs> yes. Oh, I. Yeah. They, they've obviously been through fire and hell. Yeah. And then that. Oh, but yeah, the just, alien and, and, and its mouth is just in through the door. And you get a good yeah. close-up and, and a bit of light as well, so it's a bit of a money shot. But like I say, even even that aside, mostly a lot of shadowy stuff yeah. going on. And I quite like the design of the aliens in this. They're sort of the, the soldier or warrior ones. Mm. You know, they're not as yeah. sleek yeah. as the, the previous film. They've got, you know, all these tubes and knobbly bits, but they look fucking dangerous. <laughs> yeah, so Ripley hauls them out of there. And then there's like the aftermath, and Hudson's like, "Just got her asses kicked, pal." Can I just point out as well that that APC is not so much roomy as Tardis-like, because it, when it drives up initially, and they make the mistake of having someone standing next to it, and there's clearly not enough room for anyone to stand up inside that thing. But you know, well, okay, well, let's just forgive that. Yeah. There's a similar question mark over stuff like that later on in the film, but I'll come to that. So they're. Post getting ass whooped. I'm like, yep. what do we do now? Well, in Gorman's case, he's got his bandage around his head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this great shot. It's all the Marines in the back and then pan round to Ripley in the front, looking all serious and going, I see we take off from orbit and nuke it. Take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only yeah. way to be sure. Fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> but Burke, the company man, disagrees. This is a substantial dollar value. Oh. Like anyone who gives a fuck at this moment in time. No, and she's got form of this, you know, it's like, um, yeah, and I don't care. <laughs> and that great line about, I believe this is under military jurisdiction, and Hicks is now in charge. And he's nicely reluctant, isn't he? But I love that he just comes out with exactly the same line yeah. that Ripley has had, you know? Yeah, after, sure. after Burke calls him a grunt. No yeah. offence. No offence, none taken. Pharaoh, do you copy? Oh, yeah, there we go. So, uh, yeah, yeah, let's have another uh, two clocked off then. So, uh, Spunkmeyer oh, yeah. doesn't even get a death scene on screen. So we just know what's happened. And then that horrible... Yeah. The face, the close-up of it right behind. Oh, great. <laughs> great, isn't it? <laughs> slap, 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 spray of blood. Ah. Uh, and then the dropship just starts weaving ominously. Yeah. Run! And, okay... There's yeah. a back projection shot here yeah. of the crashing as they're clambering over the boulders, but uh-huh. still looks still looks pretty damn cool, I have to say. Mm, I don't know. It is a bit ropey. I can forgive it. <laughs> it's the bit immediately after that, though. See when they're all standing around and uh, Hudson's doing his game over, man. Yeah. Game over. That's the bit that really, really looks ropey for me. Okay. What, the sort of uh, soundstage thing? Yeah. It just does not capture the atmosphere of being on a hostile planet at all. Okay. So, within the space of 30 seconds, you've got those two classic lines. You've got Game Over, and then you've got Newt. They, they mostly come at night. 
mostly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's easy to take the piss, but, you know. It's, it's still it's, a good line, though. It's a great line. And I'm sure, again, thinking back to when I, when I would have first seen this, I think this was the point at which is, and now we go to ITV News at 10. <laughs> all, there was always a break for the fucking news. Oh, God, yeah. They were starting to film at night. News after the news. Oh, Jesus. Come on. And there would be, like, the worst graphical image of the world to convey the film. Yeah. Like, come on. Just a, a card of, out of a shot. Of, <laughs> yeah, Aliens continues after the news. Ah, oh, come on. Right, anyway. So, yeah, back inside. And this is where we get, this is where we get, I think, my favourite bit of the, the special edition scenes. Really? It's the sentry guns. These are my least favourite. Oh, okay, okay. I think what it, special edition. I think what it is, it's just, because basically it's, you're just watching them watching a counter run down. Yes, that's pretty it's, fucking boring. But it's the sense of the scale of the threat they're up against. It's the sheer relentlessness of the numbers. They just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. Yeah, but it's just numbers. I just think it's. I just think it's doing a great thing of without actually showing, but giving that sense of it and just like holy, sh- holy fuck, this is just. Uh, I don't know because it's just you see guns firing and uh-huh. you don't see. Um, there's no connection to anything well there's the occasional yeah alien slight, just yeah. exploding or what have you but again it's it's like less is more mm. you know it's, it's you don't need yeah. to show it all it's well it's, it works for me in this case i feel it's less is less <laughs> okay we'll, we'll right. disagree on that one but then we get bishop in the tube oh god that's great isn't it the claustrophobia and that that brilliant angle of the shot the camera's right in front of his face as he crawls through Oh, Jesus. That's great. It's so claustrophobic. And the idea that, well, we don't know that there's nothing in that tube. Mm. You know, like he says, believe me, I'd rather not. I'm I'm synthetic. I'm not stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? There's something about that as well that I feel, forgive me, a a Doctor Who reference. No. (laughs) (laughs) But there's there's a 1975 story called The Ark in Space, right? Uh There's a similar scene where someone has to, you know, head through a tube to a right. ventilation tube while there's a threat out there. Uh-huh. But but the plot of this one, right, is the story is that now see if this sounds familiar. It's an insect like alien queen invades a remote human outpost and implants eggs in the sleeping hosts for them to emerge and consume. What nineteen seventy five? Nineteen seventy five, I shit you not. Fucking hell. I mean they they're not as well realized <laughs> As you uh-huh. might imagine, uh, <laughs> especially the the larvae, which are just bubble wrap painted green <laughs> with somebody inside it. <laughs> You'll find wow. a clip of that one, no doubt. But um, uh-huh. yeah, Ark in Space. So Jim Cameron was a bit of a Doctor Who fan, then. I, I don't know. I'm sure it's purely <laughs> coincidental. God, that sounds remarkably prescient. Funny. Yeah. So Ripley is saying to Burke about uh, destroying the specimens. Is this some Bishop let slip to Ripley that oh, Burke sorry, ordered, sorry, him, sorry. ordered him not to destroy them? And Mr. Burke was very specific on this. And that's the point at which we realise, oh, it's not Bishop, it's it's Burke. It's yeah. definitely Burke. Fuck. Uh-huh. And he's going on about how I thought you were smarter. Uh, I'm sure he calls a kiddo again. Yeah, this could ah. be worth millions to the bioweapons the bioweapons division. What a horrific thought that is. And there was a whole raft of expanded universe stuff spun out of that as well. Right. But do you know what the great tell is that he's a morally abhorrent human being? Go on. 
He's wearing a gilet. <laughs> That's how you know we can't trust him. That's how you know that he's uh, a, <laughs> a, a two-faced scumbag. He's dead. He's dead, man. <laughs> You're dog food, pal. Dog food, pal. It's like uh, anytime somebody ginger pops up on a film, you know that they're going to be a knobhead. Not like a villain. They're not capable of villain. villain. <laughs> they are gingers, yeah? Because they don't have souls. Ah, just, well. It'll just be like a, a scram, McFly. <laughs> and this is you talking as a ginger. I feel the pain. I'm sure you do. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, so then, then we get the med lab. That scene of just take a wee nap, you know. We're, we're safe, you know, we're, we're, we're in the safest place. Yeah. And then I think this is probably the, this is probably the most horror moment of the film. Mm, yeah, because you don't know where it's coming from. No. I mean, it's the fact that they're already out of the tubes as well. By yep. the time she wakes up, I mean. And they can't get anyone's attention. You've got a child that you want to protect. It's just the sheer, holy fuck, you know, that Burke is just yeah. totally unbothered about killing a child for this you know well let alone the fact that he's you know, responsible for what happens to the entire colony at this point i mean i've said the point at which he switches off that monitor mm. is i mean at that point i think you know his fate is sealed Ah, uh, yeah there's some tremendous special effects of the scene as well like with the the face hovers they're uh, scurrying through yes i mean um, that i think must have been compressed air they used to do that yeah. and a bit of puppetry that uh that single shot where the face hugger like jumps towards the camera, mm-hmm. one, that was like three separate shots all done together. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Three, okay. three separate bits, and some of it was just reversed from being pulled over. Yeah, very, very mm-hmm. smart. Oh, uh, really well done. And just the, the red light mm. just adds to that. And the, and oh, the, yeah, the, the water. The water, yeah. the noise. Yeah. All of, all of a sudden as well, it's like you go from complete silence to oh, the alarm. The alarms and everything and the glass and and Hudson emptying an entire clip into that thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh and oh the face hugger has got Ripley's throat. Oh, you know, and you almost feel like a sympathy choke. You're almost yeah, yourself yeah. going, Oh, oh <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> finding yeah. find it hard to breathe. You do, you do. You feel that sense of like your throat being constricted. It's a bit like whenever someone's whenever there's a fit in a film where someone goes, you know, has to hold their breath and underwater, mm. I find myself doing it with them. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. there are so many films where you think where you realise, fuck everyone have died way, <laughs> way before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total recall, for example. Mm. So they've got Burke, <laughs> and he's a, that rat fuck son of a bitch. Yep. So yeah, got his plan sorted out, you know, and he's called I, them paranoid delusions. And yet he's still trying to talk his way out of it. You know, it's it's yeah. really sad. It's <laughs> really this is what this is all you've got now. Yep. You know, he's desperate, and then well, well the lights are out, and then the lights go out. How did they switch off the power? Cut the power. Yeah. They're animals, man. But I think this is the best use of the motion tracker, isn't it? Oh, that yeah, one scene yeah. and the, and the confusion over like there must be something wrong with the tracker. You know, it's like, I mean, that's inside the room. I'm right. telling you, there's something moving and it ain't us. Like, do you not remember? There's a ceiling. It's just that loop up. Oh yeah, that's so oh. great. When Hicks puts his head up and the the torch and they turn, oh. <laughs> and then they just burst through. They burst through the, the, oh, the roof, the floor. The, 
And again, you know, it's red, it's pretty shadowy. But those things yeah. are bounding all over the place. Pretty agile. Acrobats in those costumes. <laughs> yeah. Ah, so Ripley's going, get the medical! Hudson loses it. Hudson loses his shit. Hey, I mean, that's it, though. But what a way to go. Yeah. I mean, I'm... Oh, dragged down. How did they come from underneath? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, he goes out properly gun happy. You know, that's. <laughs> oh, you want some too? Huh? You? Oh, what about you? Oh, ah, ah, ah. You do feel his death, don't you? You do. Yeah. The claw hand just going over his face. And oh, yeah. And then uh, Burke's death as well. You know, tried to get that private room for himself. Yeah, well, well, is it his death, though? Oh, he's not gosh. a threat. Well, he does mouth. not represent a threat. Well, this is the thing. You see it, but mm. you just see it lunge forward. I think it kills him. It's going to assume that he's got a gun like the others. Well, there's a deleted scene. Oh, you're right, aren't you? Ripley uh, gives him a gun he, to kill himself. Just before she finds the Queen's chamber, she finds That's him right. and he begs her to kill him yeah. because he can feel it moving inside him. And all she oh. did, she just hands him a grenade. Oh. And then as she walks along, there's an explosion. That's right. <laughs> Which I think would be more satisfying. You think? Well, at least you know he's dead. It's a poetic uh, justice there. All of that is sort of implied just by the alien's mouth, though, isn't it? Mm. It's a similar shot to that with the, when Pharaoh goes, isn't it? Yeah. Well, kind of like an alien as well, because they are Dallas. Like, you see him uh, cocooned as well. And, yeah, uh, the director's Rick- cut, yeah. It's a bit dodgy, that bit, as well. That scene, does it doesn't make any sense in the context of the continuity, but there we go. So, yeah, so they're fighting their way through the tunnels. Um, Aliens are chasing them. Vasquez gets injured. Burned ankle, isn't it? Just that... Oh, that no! Foot, the foot on the neck, just... And then, yeah. with a pistol. I mean, that's, that's badass stuff, that is. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, just her... Oh, no! That's great, isn't it? Yeah. That's it, and, and then it's her and Gorman. Yeah, Gorman redeems himself a little bit. As the two of them go together. They give their lives that others might live. Well, it means the others get out, although, of yeah. course, so this it's the explosion that yeah. throws Newt down the, the pipe, isn't it? Uh-huh. Setting us up and, for the final scene. There. But just that image when she's in the water, you know, she's going, OK, you know, and just stay just, there. And then the just alien just comes up behind her. draws up out oh. Fucking great. That, it's so cleverly done as well, because you see it rising up, but the camera shifts as soon as you would have seen its arms moving out, so it would yeah. have looked like a man in a rubber suit. And then it's like, oh, the doll's head. Oh, the symbolism of the doll's head. <laughs> oh. Casey. <laughs> and Ripley just, no! She's not dead! Desperately trying to cut through the, ve- the grating. Yeah. And then uh, she starts tooling up, just like in the A-team, yeah. Tra- <laughs> I, I quite like that, that, that we've seen between her and Hick. Oh, right. of the tracker. And- yeah, she's called Ellen. He's called Dwayne. Dwayne. Dibley. Which is odd, because all the other Marines, their first names are their actors' first names. Really? I didn't notice that. But, um, that shot when she's in the elevator and the whole uh, installation is getting ready to explode, that's so great. Oh, the, the countdown kicks in. Yeah. And I was quite impressed because one of the things that annoys me is whenever there's a countdown in a film, particularly as it gets nearer and nearer, time stretches. Yeah. So, the you know, what, look at the end of Flash Gordon for, for a great example of that. But this one, it's bang on 15 minutes. It's yeah, yeah. so well edited to match it. It's great. So, yeah, 
the elevator doors open and then you see her with the big fucking combo rifle flamethrower. Flamethrower. Oh, it looks great, doesn't it? She looks absolutely fucking badass. She really does, yeah. And then she just wanders through the tunnels. Surprising how few aliens there are around there. This whole scene is about raising tension now. Yeah, it does it well. And the use of silence, actually, in that whole build-up. Yeah, because we've had a scenes of such intensity for quite, quite a while. Yeah, I mean, you get that one random explosion, yeah. which is, I'm fairly certain, is the end of that scene with Burke. Mm, right. uh, yeah. and, and the rest of it, when she walks into that chamber. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and when Newt is uh, cocooned and then the alien egg opens up. Mm. Oh, go on. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she just pulls her out of it. And... You've got the patented Newt scream, and then just this thing is just—I love that reveal of the queen. Oh, the queen! Oh, it's, it's just terrible. this. It's just that gradual. There's an egg. There's yeah. a there's a ovipositor or something oh. like that, isn't it? <laughs> that great, horrible, yes. goopy. Oh. You can just see as it gradually goes along. You can see the eggs in there moving along. And, and again, another example of how CGI would never, ever, ever capture the horror of that. No, it really wouldn't. And the later films fall into that trap. You know, you're just like, I am, I'm seeing it, but I'm yeah. not buying it. I'm not buying this at all. It's not there. It's not physically there. But just that. It's a fantastic piece of engineering, actually, that Queen. Not just, it's yeah, not just... Yeah. 14 puppeteers. 40 puppeteers, including two in, two people inside there. Fuck. There's hydraulics involved. There was a fucking crane holding it up. <laughs> you know, it's oh. beautiful. It's just this giant spider at the heart of its web, really. Yeah. That, and it's, oh. got a mouth, it's got a mouth inside its mouth inside its mouth. Oh, yeah. And, there's, it there's, there's, and it's got this almost crown sort of... Oh, the crest on it is just crest. beautiful. It's an absolutely beautiful design. And then the two of them just... There's nothing said because obviously uh-huh. there's, no, there's no language between them. But uh-huh. everything that happens there is completely understood. You know, the hand in front of Newt pulling yeah. her back. Yeah, it's you the, versus me, Biatch. You versus me. The flamethrower just, you know, being trained. And then that one egg opens... And all it is is that one slight tilt of the head from Ripley, as if to say, well, that's you've done it. And then, woof. And she's pretty handy with those weapons, given that she doesn't have any training using them. Yeah. I mean, she's adept, I'll give her that. Well, Hicks gave her a bit of training. Remember? Well, I suppose. But And as well, you've got these two incredibly strong, in very different ways, female characters facing off. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's depressing how infrequently that that happens you know it stands yeah. out as being unusual I know because the whole thing about the final girl became so formalised in horror films and slasher films you know why wouldn't you I mean Aliens it was like one of the highest grossing films of the year why not go with that yeah why not keep on and in fairness they did keep Ripley as a as a strong female character regardless yeah, of all, the quality of the films that she was only in. within that franchise why not other films oh yeah okay yeah Got a hand at the camera, and he's, yeah. you know, it's his films that I can think of where they they stand out. I'm trying to think of other sci-fi films that have strong female leads and come up pretty black. Princess, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not that strong in sci-fi, but even in horror. You know? So the queen tears itself from its... 
Oh, she oh. rips herself from that ovipositor, and it, yeah. uh, it, it, this, the feeling, the sound of it is just... Oh. And that cannot have been... That, that must have hurt her. <laughs> <laughs> and Ripley's just going taunt her with all these fucking eggs. The queen is screaming grenades into the ovipositor. Yes, why didn't she grenade the queen? <laughs> the queen's she's... only one. The facehuggers could be many. Yeah, I suppose. But then she's the source of the eggs, so cut off at source. There you go. But anyway. Right. So, yeah, the last desperate effort to get up the elevator. And then you see the queen coming up. And then, oh, Bishop's there! See, this is, again, this is where there's another sort of, hang on a minute, how does that work for me, is exactly how the queen manages to get through those tunnels. <laughs> full of, you know, alien resin or whatever you want to call it they are and thinking there's not enough room for this even if she was smashing her way I'm okay right fair enough she does it though maybe she do a shortcut she must have done yeah Yeah. and you're wondering has Bishop betrayed them ah he's gone he's gone oh no he hasn't he appears he's there and then they're off and then they're off that brilliant shot when you see everything exploding behind them yep (sighs) But there is another one of those, you know, the final section of the film does, I was saying earlier, it follows a lot of the beats from the first film. So you've got the, the race against time before the self-destruct was off. Then you've got, you know, they think you've gotten away, but it turns out that the alien has actually stowed away with you. And then you blast it into space. Odd that I didn't really, I didn't pro- properly pick up on that until this time round. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. it's, it feels different enough. Yeah. And it's yeah. done so well. It I is mean, done very well. Although she's incredibly strong to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. holding yeah. the weight of that thing. But like the opening of the scene, just when Bishop is torn into, fuck, that is great. That must have taken them so long to shoot that. Yeah, and he was having to dribble out uh, milk and yogurt for ages. Ah, uh, it must have been rancid. Jeez. Yeah, he he got food poisoning off it because uh. of, like. It was under all these warm lights. Uh, let's talk about suffering for your art. Yeah. <laughs> Worth yeah. it. Again, it's great editing, the way he just... The shots of him being held up by the queen, even the shots of his stomach being pierced, and then the ripping into the, the landing. Yeah. And then the queen comes out. Fuck, yeah. Again, they're thinking, how did she fit in there? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, Ripley straps back on the, the power loader. loader. Yeah. yeah, and then you get that final great line from the film. Oh yeah, and you just think, oh hell, it's on. Yeah, get away from her, you bitch! <laughs> it's so satisfying to see the queen get a pasting from that <laughs> that power loader. It looks so solid, and the queen is yeah, such yeah. a fantastic and agile prop as well. Just the, all the stuff mm-hmm. that's going on there—a lot of quick cutting, close-ups. Yeah. And, Oh, yeah, as you said earlier, the mouth within a mouth within a mouth. Yeah, I just wonder though, at one point, you see Ripley like gets the queen by the neck. Mm-hmm. Like, can it only close so far? Why can she not close the whole thing till it actually yeah. like, takes, her, takes its head off? Um, either it doesn't close all the way, or yeah. it, it, it stops when it meets resistance of a certain magnitude, or oh, oh, you know, she would have been sprayed yeah. with acid. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it just. But that allows for just that brilliant bit where you've got the mouth just trying to get past the guard, mm-hmm. the head guard. And the tail yeah. whipping round light and you know, Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. As a final boss sort of scene, <laughs> this, is, yes. this is just amazing. So they're down in the, the space lock. Yep. 
which Ripley opens. Just that shot when she tumbles in after it, it's fucking brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah. And th- then she opens it up, and yet she's able to hold on. Yes. Now, this is it. Yeah, she's first off, yeah. she's able to hold on against the, vac- against the pull of into a vacuum. Uh-huh. She's got the alien queen holding on to her leg. <laughs> I don't think it's got the best grip, though, to be fair. Still going to be heavy, though, isn't it? Yeah. And then she manages to climb up. And she climbs up. Not only climbs up, but manages to come over the top. And, hit the, yeah. and hit, the, hit the clothesline. And Bishop manages to hold on to Newt. That is a great shot as well, where Bishop is yeah. sort of rattling along. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I managed just to grab a hold of her. <laughs> uh, and then, boof, out into the vacuum. Do you think that actually kills the queen? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'd be, I'd be curious. I mean, you never see it actually die. It just flies off. Know. Oh, well, and, and in space, you can hear that thing scream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, even if it's not dead, it's far away. It, it, <laughs> it's not small. Small, mate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these ones are small. Yes, and, small. <laughs> and then you get that wonderful little bit at the end. Oh, Mommy! Oh, from Bishop as well, though. Not bad for a human. Yeah. And you've got one... Well, almost one marine makes it to the very end. Oh, Hicks. Hicks. Most of Hicks. And half a bishop. (laughs) And all of Newt. But thank God Hicks and Newt survived. And everything is going to be happy ever after from this point on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as we'll find out in Alien 3. Yeah, it's going to be a breeze for Ripley. From the <laughs> so, yeah, I suppose we could talk a wee bit about what happens next, could we? So, yeah, I'll give you my summary then. So, Alien 3, David Fincher, flawed film, very troubled production, but I think it's decent. I think there's some fascinating ideas in there. I think the idea of, you know, the, taking the religious angle and having the alien being seen as this visitation and almost being worshipped. Uh, the idea of no weapons and the alien actually protecting Ripley is fascinating. Uh, I just think it could do more with them. Oh, well, I was fascinated to see the original idea had been developed in a comic book adaptation and an audio book as well, a full cast audio. Sure. Uh, so I'd be curious to check those out. Yeah. Uh, William Gibson that did. Uh, oh, yeah. But I'll give you, you know, the best Alien 3 is the Mega Trife game. <laughs> Man, that's so much fun. Love it. Uh, Alien Resurrection uh, picks the story up a bit later. Pretty shite. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, there's an, there is one interesting idea in there, and that's Ripley, the idea of Ripley being a clone that combines both human and alien DNA, so you're never quite sure what side she's on or what her motivations are. Mm. Um, but the story itself is pretty shite. And Jesus Christ, the idea, the, the, the hybrid mm. alien stroke human thing they have at the end is laughable. I won't even start about Winona Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that at the cinema, and I can honestly remember zero about it. <laughs> honestly, nothing, nothing, yep. apart from it being bad. There's a team of badass grunts, uh, sorry, mercenaries. Okay. Uh, it's been done, it's been done. Right. Um, and then from there, things get even worse. You've got Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator Requiem, mm-hmm. which are prequels. Uh, finally putting on film what has been teased since Predator 2 in 1990 when they put, for a joke, put an alien skull in the Predator ship as one of its trophies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it created this whole expanded universe out of that. And my God, these films just fall on their arse. Partly, I think, because they try and aim them for a teen audience. So, that, you know, I think they're both 15 certificates. I mean, the first is shite. Uh, the second is just the most 
gigantic steaming turd of a film which just takes some viewing given the high concept of the premise it's just yeah here we go we've got aliens versus predators in on present day earth okay how'd you get that wrong well uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll make it a teen sort of slasher what uh, sorry how's this gonna work what it's just completely misjudged although there's some there's, again there's some good ideas in there you know and some horrific imagery the idea of a an alien spawned from a predator uh, and the, uh, you have a set a, a whole section which is uh, set in a maternity hospital full of already pregnant women having been impregnated with alien fetuses as well. Um, yeah, best forgotten, to be honest, those two films. And then finally, most recently, Ridley Scott goes back and blows all the mystery. <laughs> oh, God, just Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Um, the first one I thought was disappointing the second one was possibly just terrible um i just don't know what he was thinking i mean one of the best things about about alien is there's so much unexplained and unanswered stuff in that film the whole opening is what the derelict is where it comes from what the pilot you know who not who the pilot was what the hell it was looks like this weird elephant trunk thing yeah and the the fact that it was never explained was great no origins nothing um then this starts to explain it all and it even manages to an extent to spoil the original for me a bit because yeah. this is this is all official. This is now canon. And it's just... I feel much the same about when they try and fill in things with Lord of the Rings, you know? Mm. Like Tolkien calls it unreached vistas. Okay. And they should remain unreached and unspoiled. Yes. yes. You, know? you, you don't that, need to fill in the gaps. That gives it the effect of yeah. there being a lot that you don't know about and that you're in the middle of a world which has its own rules that you are completely unaware of. Once you start making them tangible and real, then it just becomes boring. It just becomes rules. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rather than being mysterious and... But, uh, uh, yeah. but the mystery of it, I mean, you, you can, your, your mind starts to imagine, develop yeah. your own backstory and things, which is... Infinitely uh-huh. more interesting than the crap they came up with. <laughs> um, and just uh, characters doing the most stupid things as well. And there's oh. this horrible sense as well that from the two films, I'm sure there's talk that he was intending to do another film and make it a trilogy. Oh. It's the sense that they're leading up to coming full circle. And I can imagine that the final shot of what this third unmade Ridley Scott film right. will lead into the opening of Alien. And just... Yeah. No, no, please just. Uh... <laughs> I, no, I agree. I agree. That's the trouble with any franchise is that even if the original films are conceptual and high concept, it just becomes a sausage factory, and it just becomes about pumping out products rather than any ideas. And mm. the ideas are what makes Alien and Aliens so great. Yeah, absolutely. There's just so much there, and it just, it just doesn't need to be explained what's on there is works perfectly well as it is and you know the idea you know okay sequels are for the most part dispensable this is one of those rare occasions where i would probably favor the sequel over the original i think alien is probably the better film yeah but i prefer aliens Uh, this is the one that i come back to more yeah 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 i i agree i feel the same way i think alien is a better film but Aliens is more entertaining to watch, and I watch it more regularly. It's mm-hmm. kind of it's it's like the difference between 
Beethoven's Ninth and Appetite for Destruction. (laughs) (laughs) We can all agree that Beethoven's Ninth is a far superior piece of music, but god damn, I'll listen to Appetite for Destruction. (laughs) Which 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 is still, though, also a great piece of music. It is, it is. But <laughs> it's just in different ways, you know. It's, yeah, it's a different it's kind just, of music. It's just much more entertaining. Yeah. But yeah, and I, and look at it. Look, you've got Alien, which is a, a, a tonally a, a very different film. You know, we talked about this before. That Alien is the the haunted house. It's the the yeah. slasher film. Yeah. Whereas yeah. This is the 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 Nam movie, the war movie. It's mm. you know the original film has one alien mostly remaining in shadow, picking them off one by one. This goes the other yeah. way. It has. Uh-huh armory it has numbers it just goes completely yeah. opposite direction and yeah. yet they both work i think they, they work because they are conceptually thought out the the first one as you say is a slasher film but it's done with so much sexual sort of atmosphere and that you know that brilliant rapey shot when oh the, is this where the, yeah the aliens uh, goes heal goes up Veronica Cartwright's legs and then you just it's just a scream yeah oh yeah that's that's horrific yeah that scene is right out of the tree rape shot from Evil Dead as well isn't it yeah actually I never thought about that yeah it's got a similarity yeah and like the the alien moves so slowly and so intently and yet when Parker comes up behind him he just runs around dispenses him and then back to moving very malevolent, you know, just just like a big shadow dripping rapist. (laughs) 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 And again, aliens, wonderfully conceptualised. It's the gung-ho idiots who come along, get their asses kicked, they don't listen to the woman, the woman is the big boss. Great. So smart. Does it hold up? (laughs) Uh, I think this is the easiest time We've ever had to answer that question. I Fuck think yeah. So. I think yeah. I could yeah, absolutely. It's just genuinely a classic. It's yeah. a bit of dodgy effects work aside, and a couple of scenes that would I would maybe snip out. Yeah, I, I can't see anything. Yeah. And given how problematic <laughs> the, the making of it was, you know, this film wasn't even completed until about a week before it was due in the theatres. Yeah, that's right. In the cinemas. Um Editing and scoring was all done right up until the last minute. You know, the the premiere for executives was, you know, well, there's no time to change anything else here, but it just works so well. And, you know, and it, you know, we'd already mentioned it got a special effects Oscar uh, nods for, you know, nominations for editing and score as well. Deservedly so. It's just, it's just great. And a best actress nomination for Sigourney Weaver in this, you know. Quite rightly. For a sci-fi movie? Holy shit. This is, yeah, for a sequel sci-fi movie as well. But that's a great thing. It never feels generic. You know, uh, the characters have a great deal of reality to them. So it might be a sci-fi movie, but it feels very much about real people in situations that might be outlandish, but their reactions to them are not. When when Hudson loses it, (laughs) you go, uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, and it follows on. This is you know what they got right in Alien as well. You know, I buy every single one of those characters as as real rounded people, yeah. even Ash. <laughs> <laughs> so, what can I say? It's a stone cold classic in my book. Fucking a man. So, 
Next episode, we are going to discuss dirty dancing. Oh, <laughs> I think it's time for a chick flick. Oh, I'm out of my depth at this point. <laughs> uh, I'm going to come up just right out and say, I think it's a film which is better than people might realise. It's okay. not as good as, for example, Saturday Night Fever, which I don't mean that's a chick flick, but I mean it has a cheesy reputation and it's actually a pretty damn good film. Dirty Dancing, I think it's a, a bit better than its reputation, quite beyond the dancing sequences and all, and the music, which are great. But I think there's a bit more going on underneath, which people might not realise. Mm, okay. Oh, I'm intrigued at how we're going to do this one. <laughs> I'm going to be coming at this from uh, less of a familiarity, so I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Well, okay. Well, as always, if you liked what we've been talking about or disliked, Feel free to tell us. We welcome all feedback, good and bad. And remember to give us a like, give us a subscribe. You know the drill. Okay, I think that's game over, man. Game over. Game over. <laughs>